0: It's not human
1: intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going
0: to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Sunday, June 20th. This is episode 338. My name is Dan Ellis and I am joined by two fabulous co-hosts, Mr. Ryan Duffy. Yes, sir. And happy Father's Day, Dan. Well, thank you, Mr. Duffy. And Mr. Taylor Grin. Hey, hey,
2: and uh, for everybody else, happy not a Father's Day.
0: <laughs> Yay. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy not a Father's oh, your dog Day. dog for me. <laughs> happy not a Father's Day to both of you. Happy uh, Cat Father's Day, Taylor. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and And Ryan's the dog father. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. So uh, what have you two been doing over the last it? So today we recorded on Sunday. Uh, Jesus Christ. Today <laughs> is Sunday. When <Wednesday. laughs> we recorded on Wednesday, I have had the most difficult time completing a full sentence all fucking day. And I think it's because I'm tired
2: is the it from the
0: mimosas from uh, your brunch that you had. Maybe, but I was having difficulty before then. I think ah. I think I'm just worn out a little bit. Today's. Today is a mixed bag. Like I got to spend time with my son for father's day and his, and his wonderful partner. And we had a nice brunch at snowbird, but it also, you know, is just a reminder that my own father disowned and disinherited me. So that just kind of sucks, but it was nice to spend the day with, with my my son and, and his uh, handsome dashing, very nice, very cool boyfriend. Up at the snowbird then and, and the brunch was fabulous it was awesome very good
1: yeah, and i just got my ass kicked at work the last few days so
0: yeah i'm feeling great are <laughs> feel there like no any- man i'm like my shoulder hurts my hip hurts are there many fires that you have had to work on
1: yet no we but we've had a few around us but not into our area we had a yeah. uh what is it a hammock a hamlet? right uh, yeah, it's a military truck that tows other vehicles, and it was towing another tow vehicle. Oh. Yeah, that caught fire. Oh. but I wasn't at work that day. Oh. Uh, no, we've, we had to do our annual hose testing. bunch of hoses. Did you have any lines in your house? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of lines, and that was the problem. And it was 100 degrees outside, and we're just laying all this line out on the concrete. <laughs> and you fill it with water. Then you drain the water out and you put it back on the truck and just doing that for two days. Sucks. Uh, this is just to make sure that you don't have any brakes. Bad hoses. Yeah. So yeah. you basically you connect a certain length of hose and you over pressurize it. So like normally when we're pumping the truck, it's at like 170 PSI. Mm-hmm. Uh, this we put it up to like 300 PSI with it capped. So it's just holding 300 PSI worth of pressure in it of the water. It, and hoping it, and it doesn't gotta, blow. Yeah. It's got to hold that pressure in it for so long and make sure that like, they don't blow up or so, disconnect.
0: So you just weaken it to the point of failure and then throw it back on the truck. <laughs> well, no, that's <laughs> actually like the, uh,
1: the recommend the, the, the manufacturers recommended pressure to test it at. So it's basically uh, okay. just testing the hose to make sure it still meets the standard. It has to meet. Uh, and,
0: <laughs> and then like hopefully
2: bridges are built to withstand more weight than all of a real like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, that sounds like a good idea. What else have, what else is going on? Oh, well, that's it for me. Yeah. Oh, I
2: um. Yeah, my my brother is moving out of town um for new work, which I'm really happy for. Not um not my Patreon supporter brother Hunter, but uh, my other middle brother, and um, so I'm really proud of him. Uh, he's gotten into an apprenticeship program that's going to be pretty good for him. Uh, but selfishly, it also means they'll finally have room for an office uh, for Sandra and I. So we spent we we walked like five miles yesterday between a farmer's market in Kansas city and an Ikea there. And, uh, so I'm exhausted from all of that walking. And we have a couple of really nice desks that I'm excited to set up.
0: Are they called the Hootenferden?
2: Oh gosh. What are they called? (laughs) I can't remember. Some some Swedish bullshit.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. well, fantastic and fun and junk and stuff. Uh, I wanted to real quick mention that Dr. Hector A. Garcia has started a new YouTube channel. He's a, he's been a guest on the show at a couple different times talking about a couple of his different wonderful, amazing, incredible books and has started having conversations with uh, notable people and is putting them out on his youtube channel and so i want to direct everybody there you can find it pretty easily by looking for hector garcia or dr hector garcia on youtube i will also include a link to that in today's show notes and also well yeah talking about conversations
1: our (laughs) our friend of the show god is back Uh uh-huh Oh, Different, except for it's no I longer conversations. Well, no, God, God fucking re-erect, re-erected, resurrected Tony to come back and have conversations with him. But now it's no longer conversations with God. It is God chat.
0: Okay. God chat with God and Tony. And it's, it's explains the whole
1: debacle in the first episode. So, oh, yeah. Don't okay. worry.
0: Yeah. They go through all of that in the opening of the first episode. And, you know, the resurrection of Tony and and their their new series of conversations that they will be having it's a fun show it's not very long it's i think the first episode of the new or the relaunch show was only about 20 minutes i thought it was like i guess like 20 but yeah yeah not not very long just just fun bite-sized uh intelligent conversations with with the monster yeah, if you, if you enjoy self-deprecating
1: humor with a little bit of music twist in it, he puts a shitload of work into each one of them, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, give him a listen.
0: Very well produced, yeah. Yeah, I like it very much. I'm glad that he's doing them again because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are fun. So what are we talking about today? Today is our, is this the fifth installment or the fourth installment in our uh this yeah. is the fifth. Let's go five. Yeah. Five's yeah. a good Remember, number. Five. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the fifth installment um, yes. in our Christian national or white nationalism. No Christian nationalism. Same. I mean, a little bit of column a a little bit of column B for today's yeah.
2: episode. For sure.
0: A, disin- a distinction um, without a difference or much of a difference.
2: Yep. Uh, as a, as a little bit of like, a, I don't know, peep behind the curtain for the listeners. Um I basically didn't keep track of my script as I wrote it, and it's really long. So um, there's a very good chance that this episode is actually going to get cut in half. Um, so if we reach a point where the episode's over and you're like, well, shit, it was obviously going somewhere else. Um, <laughs> then, you know, clowned uh, there's going to be more show. Um, so this could very end up turning into a, a six part series on Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah. look
1: forward to part six next week.
2: Yeah,
0: very, very likely,
2: Um, because I wrote too many words for this. Um, But today uh, we're going to talk about Christian nationalism, how it presents an urgent threat to America, especially in the West. Um, Christian nationalism, outside of national legal issues, uh, poses its greatest threat by way of of the constellation of secessionists nationalist white supremacist and Christian identity movements in the American West especially in Washington Idaho Nevada Utah and Oregon um yeah. i can't really keep today's episode limited merely to Christian nationalism because there's so much of an overlap in the American West between Christian nationalism and general anti-government secessionist movements um, there's a very strong link between them. And as I'll talk about later on, the Christian identitarian movement specifically is like this crazy milieu of Christianity, um, white supremacy and secessionist doctrine that like defines easy definite or defies easy definition.
0: So why is it though that it's primarily focused more in In America's West versus, you know, Midwest, Southeast, anything like that. It seems like more and more of these, you know, right wing, identitarian, white nationalist, Christian nationalist, libertarian, all of these types of, you know, a little bit weird, little bit weird, little kooky groups. Uh, mm-hmm. are focused in the West of the, of the United States versus I mean, the other Brigham young come to Salt Lake city. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, like it's, there's it's less people west. here,
2: right. Yeah. Historically. Yeah. There's, there's less oversight. There's less regulation. Um, it's, there's a lot of people who for a couple of hundred years have been able to exist off of very little and with a uh, relatively no benefit from the federal government. Um, there's actually a pretty strong link between regions, which have to, or feel like they subsist largely on their own rather than with federal aid Mm -hmm. and leaning to the far right on issues. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons why folks from the Appalachians have a mistrust of government because they see their own dilapidated roads and shitty school systems and figure what's the government do for me? Mm -hmm. Why is it paying for, you know, black folks to go to college in big cities? Right. And, and that's the grounds on which white supremacy movements get built in in those areas as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, I, and I don't want to derail too much or anything, but it seems to me that, that that is what the Republican party pushes for more and more and more all the time. When they, <laughs> re, when they reduce and limit funding to all kinds of government programs, when they pass austerity measures. Rather than fund different things throughout the government because they want to reduce taxes on corporations and billionaires rather than having them pay their fair share when the government doesn't bring in as much money. Of course, it doesn't have as much money to spread around, which means then that less and less people are able to reap any kind of benefit for the government that they can see reaching into their pocketbook, pulling Mm -hmm. cash out and then getting nothing in return. It seems like the Republicans have built a a self-fulfilling prophecy of the government is bad and let us prove how bad it can get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they learned
2: that from religion, you know, cause the injury, then offer the cure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's the same thing as original sin.
0: Yeah. It just seems to me that they're, you know, that a vast majority of Republicans are actively working to make the government less helpful for more people. Mm Because yeah. then those people will vote for them. It, but it's yep. weird too, because then the people who keep putting these Republicans in power figure what that. Well, so, and this is, this is something that I alluded
2: to, but didn't go into in full detail because I felt myself unqualified. Mm. Um, but last episode we did talk about how, um, between the New Deal and the Southern strategy, um, it was big business anti-regulation interests and, extreme Christians who got together to sort of co-opt the Republican party to the chagrin of, um, uh, white, uh, what, what's, what's his fucking name? Um, Goldwater, uh, to Goldwater. the chagrin of Goldwater. Yeah. yeah. He, he explicitly stated that he thought that the alliance of business and Christianity would lead to the downfall of movement, conservative, uh, conservativism. And unfortunately he was wrong Um, instead it reinvigorated it into the particular blend of fascism that was, you know, effective in America. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, part of the reason why the appeal works for Republicans to limit the apparatus of government and then point to the government as a problem is because they have learned to commingle the messages of deregulated business with that of Christianity. You know, when I made the joke last week about su- supply side Jesus, um, you know, there's that's only partially a joke. There are versions of Christianity, um what are they fucking called? Um prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. right? That nope. explicitly preach that People being rich is a sign that they are blessed by God for their faith mm-hmm. in direct opposition to the kinds of stuff preached at the Sermon on the Mount yeah so give me your money <laughs> mm-hmm. and and then and then part of it is uh you know like chicken and the egg but but going back to the original question why is there so much of this in the West part of that is deliberate choice by um, Christian identitarian and other white supremacist groups. And again, deeper into the episode, I'm gonna talk about the history of the Christian Identitarian Movement a little bit. Um, and honestly, I wanna dedicate an entire episode to them at some point in the future. Um, but there has been a, mu- a movement called the Redoubt Movement since like the 70s, I wanna say, that is explicitly called for building white supremacist compounds in the american west specifically in the areas of like eastern washington and oregon and north idaho
1: there, there um, almost was one in north idaho there in the, what the 90s mm-hmm. well there
2: there is one and we'll be talking about that in today's content um, oh, okay. when we talk about matt shea so it's it's a thing man like and it is it a lot of it has to do with less oversight from the government you know lower population means there's less federal agents means there's less oversight you know uh think about how long the flds church could operate because they literally owned the government apparatus for the entire town from the mayor to the cops to you know the the school board right yeah they had basically mm-hmm.
0: set up their own little nation state
2: yep precisely and it's possible in the west because of the low population density and the history of self-reliance of the people out here Hmm. Mm. um and as i'll allude to in other parts of the story like uh, uh, or sorry, the episode today. Um, it reminds me a lot of Afghanistan. You know, when I was doing work that dealt with terrorist groups out there, how when you've got an area that is rural and mountainous and not particularly well federalized, um, shadow governments popping up is kind of the natural way of things.
0: Well, yeah, because they still need some form of governance, right? They need, they need mm-hmm. backup and assistance for themselves, let alone anybody else. And, and sometimes in order to support people that they are friendly with. So they still yeah. need some, some governing body, some, I don't know, like I said, just yeah. backup to, to help them yeah. maintain the order or, or supposed or attempted order <laughs> that
2: they're trying yeah, to create. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's, that's the thing is that like, I'm sorry if you're a left leaning or a right leaning libertarian, but like at the end of the day, human beings need conflict resolution. Now, any argument I've ever heard in favor of libertarianism, um, you know, always breaks down uh, in the face of basically needing a court system, like needing a way to civilly resolve disputes that doesn't like come down to armed conflict.
0: Yeah, some some third party who can adjudicate whatever differences you're having. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, not all parties will walk away happy, but they'll feel that they've been given a fair hearing, right? A fair shot that it was an equitable system.
2: Mm -hmm. And then also management of the commons, um, which is something we'll be talking about pretty immediately after this break. um, When we talk about the Bundy standoff, Um, the commons in philosophy and economics is this idea of um, shared resources or, or public space. That individuals in a society all need access to in order to thrive. This might be a river or farmland or anything like that. And competition over those limited resources will lead to destructive exploitation of those resources, unless some form of governance right unless some form of regulation prevents the destruction of those commons Uh, a situation called the tragedy of the commons and if there is no regulation that takes place then those commons are wiped out you know the farmland is stripped the um you know forest is cleared the river is drained or polluted and then no one can benefit from it and that will inevitably happen when people are uh competing over a limited resource without some sort of outside regulation. And mm-hmm. even in libertarian scenarios, you eventually run into a situation where they have to regulate themselves or else they starve to death. Mm-hmm. Um, government is just necessary. Like I, I sympathize a lot with, with the idea of like anarchist and mutual aid movements, but they, they can't scale. Like we would need less human beings on the planet for them to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going to get into that because it did not scale in Nevada, um, but we'll cover that on the other side of this break.
0: Hello, my name is Tony from the God Chat Podcast. It's the podcast where I chat to the creator of the universe, God. It's a podcast where we aim to blend humor and philosophy, or humosophy as some people are calling it. In reality... Each episode is 20 minutes of poorly curated nonsense, and you probably won't enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, you're listening to the Godless Revolution podcast. Does that make sense, Tony? Does it? Oh, fuck off, God. God Chat, with God
2: and Tony. When did you stop believing in God? I was 12. I drank some of the holy water at church and it gave me salmonella. Uh, What made you stop believing in God? YouTube comments. Who are the 90% of people who still believe in God? Professional athletes. They're rich, hot, and their bodies haven't betrayed them yet. Their lives are amazing. Why wouldn't they believe in God?
0: Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible.
2: All right. Welcome back. Um, So let's get into it. We're going to start today with the BLM standoff, right? And this is the Bureau of Land Man- Management standoff in Bunkerville, Nevada, not the Black Lives Matter standoff in Portland, Oregon.
0: Yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember when Black Lives Matter became a thing and everybody started referring to it as BLM in my head because yeah. I'm very aware of Hammond Bundy and all of that kind of shit. Yep. I, I always mm-hmm. tied it to Bureau of Land Management. Like,
2: yep. Yeah, yep. It and got actually, very confusing for note, a bit. I, I may use the phrase Black Lives Matter later on in this essay but um just assume that if i say blm uh i mean bureau of land management for this episode
0: okay because uh, i'm I not saying imagine,
2: every
1: time yeah i imagine most people who ha- don't live out west here don't know that either right yeah. right because so it's bureau good to tell land them. management predominantly <laughs> yeah. owns land in or manages in west. land in the west yeah.
2: yeah um so anyway just take that into account I mean, Bureau of Land Management. It's like 15 syllables, so I'm not going to say it every time I'm going to say BLM. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. So, all right. Um, America has a long history of seizing lands from Native Americans. Um, among that land are territories in Nevada that are presently occupied by the Bundy family. In the 1950s, uh, the U.S. government started leasing out this BLM land to ranchers in extremely rural areas. Uh, What they do is they offer grazing land for cattle at a fraction of the cost that would be offered by commercially uh, owned like grazing land. And they charge
1: per cattle head. Cliven Bundy. Oh, go ahead. Say you want to hear the kicker on this one? What's that? His defense is he's been on that land since before the government bought it. Yeah, and he's he's been litigating that for like 20-30 years now, and yeah, every which time, which basically he's lost means an he would have stolen the land from the fucking Native Americans. Yeah, but they don't care about that. Yeah, they they, well, they don't. The Bundys, Bundy's don't. Movement. But yeah, yeah. by law, it's like no, that law, that land was never fucking yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. So, Cliven Bundy, uh, Daddy Bundy, is an adherent of the Sovereign Citizen movement. Um, oh. he believes, yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep, Yay. yep, gold fringe, yeah. Um, he believes that the land was his um, because he rejects the authority of the federal government. Am I being detained?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: specifically the, like, argumentation used by his particular blend of sovereign citizen, because there's a whole bunch of different gold fringe morons. Um. He believes that, as soon as a state is established in a territory, the federal government loses authority to say what that state does with its land mm-hmm. um which is stupid um <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just dumb uh they also believe that like a sheriff is the highest authority mm-hmm. in a given region mm-hmm. um which just means that he watched too many Clint
1: Eastwood movies growing up, <laughs> which is also why the militia group, the constitutional sheriffs is a pretty big deal with them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, correct. and and because he's the elder Bundy, it's probably uh, more John Wayne and less Clint Eastwood, though. I'm sure there's a blend between the two. <laughs> that's that's fair. I hate Western movies. I <laughs> hate them with a fucking
2: passion. Um. The, the ones that aren't merely stupid are stupid ripoffs of Akira Kurosawa films. I have no respect for them. Um, <laughs> I have strong feelings, but this is an atheism <laughs> podcast, not a movie's <laughs> podcast. Maybe we'll do it as a bonus episode sometime. I have words. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, despite opting into an agreement with the federal government, like he didn't Tacitly, just start grazing on the land. He entered into an agreement. He signed paperwork with the Fed um, to engage in this grazing program. Right. Um, he subsequently welched on those payments and grew his herds uh, of cattle to an excessive size, um, dealing damage to underlying soil and causing other problems.
0: So, um, so let me get this straight. So, it's not just that he did this thing, right? Like, yeah, th- with the with the understanding however misguided that he wouldn't have to pay for it or whatever. Like he actively signed a contract and then didn't follow the, the outliner laws yes. specified within yeah. the contract. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because he figured he was taking the fed for a ride and like, kind of like the lying for Jesus thing, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Lead the um, beast. But, and also but note, wait,
2: there's more. Oh,
1: sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say note that when they, when they go into this program, they're literally paying pennies and a dollar for what it would have cost them to actually buy feed for their cattle. Yeah. Yes. So this is extremely yeah. cheap for them to raise their cattle on these programs. Mm-hmm. Yes. A- a- even compared to like
2: renting f- or leasing fields from yeah. like privately owned land, like it is ridiculously, ridiculously cheap. cheap. You or I like could buy cattle and lease them on this government land and turn a profit with how cheap it is. Like yeah. knowing nothing about cows. Um, yeah. It's ridiculously cheap. Yeah. So um, because of this uh, Bundy accrued a massive amount of fines and back payments to the BLM. Um, this was somewhat poorly reported by the press at the time of the standoff. Um, Bundy owned, owed the BLM something in the neighborhood of $1 million. I want to put this in the yeah. context. If you didn't count Bundy, the entire amount of back payments owed to the BLM at the same time period by all of the other ranchers doesn't quite reach a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, wow. Clive and Bundy owed more than four times the debt of every other rancher in the U.S. combined to the BLM.
0: Wow. So one dude owes four times more than the collective debt of every other rancher in the area.
2: Yep. Every other person who's using this program for leasing out land. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So there was a series of back and forths um, uh, over the course of like the, the nineties and the early aughts um, for Bundy to pay up and he rejected them all. Um, I don't want to get like super down into the details of like the back and forth of stuff happening. But the BLM came in, closed off some roads, started using helicopters to, like, take tallies of how many cattle he had. Um, at one point, they rounded up 400 of his more than 900 cattle. And those cattle were spread over a 1,200 square mile area. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Home Slice was not keeping track of his cows. Um when they rounded up those 400 cattle, they found that over 90% of those cattle that had just been like kind of floating out in the fucking desert. um, 90% of those 400 cattle were his. um, And that like, A lot of them had really shitty done uh, uh, brands and that kind of thing. Several of them showed signs of malnourishment. Um, They were causing property damage because they were just wandering into people's like yards and shit. They were walking into roads. Um, There was actually a solar project that was uh, there was an attempt to build out in the desert and they kept getting delayed because cattle kept like walking into the places they were trying to build shit. Um, and they're like guys building solar panels are not equipped to like make a bull go where it doesn't want to go.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Cattle are stupid. <laughs> yes, and 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 they will fuck shit up. Like yeah, like they lean up against a fence and destroy the fucking fence yeah. because they're like you
1: know they don't realize oh I'm breaking this. they are a ton of
2: hamburger uh-huh. right. Um. So when the BLM uh like kind of came to a head. Uh, Bundy claimed that he received divine inspiration that the federal agents, uh, including park rangers, needed to de-arm and that county sheriffs needed to seize control of public lands. Um, oddly enough, God seemed to be repeating the talking points of uh, Gold Fringe movement mm. members.
0: So um, when you so you've mentioned the term Gold Fringe a few different times now, what do you mean by that? It's. So there are people who are part of the whole sovereign citizens thing that yeah.
2: claim that any flag with gold fringe is an admiralty flag and like doesn't count or some stupid shit like that. Um It's, it's literally one of those like lawyers hate this one neat trick kind of thing <laughs> that sovereign citizens do, you know, or where they try to declare themselves a corporation, not a person and other mm-hmm. shit like that. It's, it's, literally a waste of my time your time and the listener's time to like get into the esoterica of it to be honest
0: okay
2: <laughs> yeah um it's just bullshit it's one of the the weird bullshit things that they believe in that has to do with flags and it's just a uh what's what's the term I'm looking for a pejorative term uh, shorthand for sovereign citizens that makes them sound less cool. Okay, gold fringers. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're not a sovereign citizen. You're a gold fringer you lunatic. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much.
2: <laughs> um. So okay. At the same time, um, a Washington House lawmaker, Matt Shea, was playing a crucial role in escalating the armed conflict. Five days after the conflict began, where BLM uh, uh, agents came. In the vicinity of Bundy's home in Bunkerville, Nevada um, and began like a, a rough standoff, um, Shea posted to his blog instructing patriots to rally at the Bundy Ranch. At the time of his post, there were a 100 protesters at the site. Um, less than a day later, 1,500 armed militia members were there. Quote, ready and armed to fight the federal government.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Matt Shea himself, again, a Washington state house lawmaker um, went to the site. He stayed there for three days and gave speeches in support of Bundy. Um, I do want to note, however, that Matt Shea is not some sort of terrorist mastermind or charismatic leader capable of marshalling thousands in a day. There were dozens of people leading that rallying cry, but it's very clear that when guns were drawn, he was on the side of secessionists, not the government. Eh. Um, Multiple extremist groups showed up to the ranch, including members of the Oath Keepers and Three Percenters. Um. Well, not the three percenters per se, but kind of like a pre-existing militia movement that many I mean, don't members Don't they all consider the
1: themselves like three percenters or one percenters or whatever the fuck it it's, is?
2: It's just different names for different militias and their memberships right. overlap. And it's a pain in the dick to try and track. I mean, I had one of those like fucking strings on a <laughs> cork board kind of thing for a <laughs> while. Who's who,
1: where's and where are they going? And it
2: just looked like a black widow's spider web by the end of the ad. Like it was just a mess. Dick um, and scary. So there was a point at which the standoff um, had members pointing guns at each other. Um, there was a point at which the um, the most successful after the fact Bundy member Ammon was standing up on top of a um, like a like a what do you call that shit like a bulldozer? Um, he was standing on top of a bulldozer and like jumping on it and shit. And one of the BLM agents shot a taser at him. And he pulled the taser prongs out of himself and charged at the BLM agent before uh, being tased again. Um, what ended up happening is the BLM retreated because they didn't want to create a Waco situation. Mm-hmm. And following that event, Clive and Bundy went on the right wing talking uh, talking circuit. Uh, he appeared on Hannity and Glenn Beck um, talking about, you know, freedom from government tyranny and other bullshit Um, he eventually fell from, uh, grace when he said in an interview, um, and now I'm quoting him. I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro.
0: One more thing. Wait, wait, wait. Let me be more racist. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Before I go, he ever says
2: something, let me tell you something about the Negro. You know that you're in for a treat. Um, so he went on to say they abort their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never learned how to pick cotton. Oh. And I've yeah. And I've often wondered, are they better off as slaves picking cotton and having a family life and doing things or are they better off under government subsidy? They didn't get no more freedom. They got less freedom.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's what we
2: call um very fucking racist. <laughs> now I I, I want to point out here. Let's remember last week talking about Rush Dooney and Barton and Dabney. Mm-hmm. How in line with the things that we quoted them last week. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's They're same thinking. same exact line of thinking.
0: They didn't get no more freedom. They got less freedom.
2: Yeah. They never learned how to pick cotton.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh. Oh, so I'm guessing, so, you know, that was just a mask off. <laughs> mask off. Yeah, he's saying the right. quiet parts out loud. Like, yeah. everybody who's associated with this shit basically believes that kind of stuff, but they know better than to say it out loud.
2: Yep, yep. As the Nazis would say, he revealed his power level and he yeah. shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, uh, as you said, like, they didn't want to create another Waco situation. Yeah, but I almost fucking wish they would have yeah i mean it, it's my yeah. sense on saying i wish they would have they could have stopped this shit in their tracks instead they allowed them to keep doing what the fuck they're doing which did nothing but embolden them in their yeah. cause
2: well and it's 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 a hard split because on the one hand yeah you embolden them because they know that there are no consequences for their yeah,
1: actions they just pushed over the government
2: yep. yep but on the other hand if if like they die in a waco style now. um They've got martyrs, right? The movement Mm -hmm. can point to martyrs. Mm -hmm. They're going to
1: have one soon. Well, they have one, but we haven't covered it in the show yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: So after those statements, Cliven became too controversial for mainstream right wing movements to handle. Um, People like Hannity and Glenn Beck uh, disavowed him, right? Really? Did they disavow uh, yeah, him? Yeah, they like, did, but like, I mean, like,
0: did yeah, they look publicly? Now. Did they publicly like disavow him? Like, we do not agree. We do not stand with Mr. Bundy. Anything like that? We did, or, or was it just? Well, you know, We're not he him we We regret He's, that
2: he made these statements. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, he yeah, said
0: yeah. something inartfully. Mm-hmm. He should have chosen his words better. That kind yep. of thing. We're- yeah. We are yeah. we
1: are losing uh, funding for this show through our sponsors. Yeah. So we need to yeah. say this. Yeah. Listen, he
2: has a whole rack of dog whistles to choose from, and he elected not to use them. So, yeah. <laughs> um. So before we go on this next break, um, I just want to point out that uh, even though Cliven became too hot for mainstream right wing, like. Commenters to, uh, to handle his son Ammon started to ascend as the leader in the secessionist yeah. movement in the West. Um, and, and I, I like as a very sad epilogue to the story of the BLM standoff, Cliven and Ammon Bundy stood trial for the standoff and a mistrial was declared yeah. uh, with prejudice, which effectively dismissed the case mm-hmm. because the judge said the federal government willfully failed to produce documents that would aid the defense. Um, there are kind of like, multiple theories out there as to whether or not like the prosecutors may have been um, like sympathetic and deliberately through the case um, like deliberately made fuck ups that would cause the case to be declared a mistrial yeah. or if it was just general government incompetence um, or if it was like a judge who was favorable to them. Um, but because the mistrial was declared with prejudice, They'll they'll never see a day in jail for the BLM standoff where they were aiming sniper rifles at federal agents.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would you would imagine that if it were just that the government fucked up right through incompetence, bad planning, whatever, that the judge would have dismissed the case, but not with prejudice. I mean, with prejudice right. says I'm dismissing this case and you can't bring this case again.
2: Yeah, right,
0: right. Like, like if it is had just,
2: honestly bullshit, because yeah, it's like. Yeah, fire that prosecutor, re-prosecute it.
0: Yeah, because if it were just a question of, you know, not providing enough documentation or whatever, they could have said, okay, well, this is a mistrial. I'm dismissing this one. You know, if you're going to do this again, get your ducks in a fucking row and come back. Not, I won't ever let you talk about this again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I can't, like, I can't
2: read the minds of the judge. You know, or the prosecutor or anything else. Um, but I do think it's a travesty of justice that, um, you know, like the, the appropriate solution to this in my mind is not, you know, that we should have had a Waco. The appropriate solution would have been for these guys to be rolled up in, you know, twosies and threesies, right? And fucking thrown in jail for five, ten years at the time, which was an exceptionally successful way of dismantling white supremacist groups in the 80 s and 90s where pretty much any time leaders would would be effective, they would commit some sort of crime that the government could throw them in jail for five or ten years until the entire white supremacist movement was led by the most incompetent mouth breathers and collapsed in on itself <laughs> um yeah so yeah, like same thing should have happened here, and it was not um it's also worth noting that like this happened in the um aftermath of the daryl Johnson controversy uh in two thousand and nine, Daryl Johnson, and this is me going totally off script um <laughs> in two thousand and nine, there was this guy named daryl Johnson, he worked for the d h s and he wrote a memo where he. Uh, indicated that intelligence showed that white supremacist movements and anti-government movements were going to be on the rise after the um, ascension of the Obama presidency, largely due to, like, racist motivations. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Republican – sorry, right wing, basically (laughs) the same thing. The fucking propaganda arm of the Republican Party, Fox Mm -hmm. News, and the other talk show hosts – started going off equating his concern Johnson's concern about far right, uh, you know, militia movements and Nazi movements as being an attack on Republicans, which I feel says more about Republicans than it does him. Mm -hmm. Um, but the end result of this fiasco was Daryl Johnson being quietly shifted out of the DHS and Janet Napoleano or Napolitano. whatever well, pronounce yeah. her name. Basically bending over backwards to right wingers for the remainder of her term in charge of the DHS. Um, and following that, the DHS had been completely nutless in its response to far right movements um, because they didn't want to be subject to the like, screed that Fox news and talk show hosts would throw at them as a result. Um, yeah, that was a whole last thing.
0: Mm. Not bueno. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, but yeah,
2: that's the BLM. We're going to take a, a break and then we're going to come back with the Malheur refuge siege.
0: This is Matt Dillahunty and you're listening to the godless revolution. Sex is horrible, and no one really likes it. So that's what I play whenever I uh, catch a kid with a condom. My readers will love this. Oh, and this is what I play whenever I catch a student with drugs. Meth gives you joy only gods can experience, but don't do it. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you.
2: On to the Malheur refuge siege. In Oregon, in the early aughts, a father-son pair, the Hammonds, set fire to a swath of federal land. There's some evidence to show that this fire was, uh, set up to cover evidence of deer poaching in the area. Um, the Hammonds were sentenced to jail and their prison terms were like, one of them was a year and three months. The other was like seven months. Um, they were well below the mandatory minimum guidelines. Over the course of like 2005 to 2014, like, there were a series of appeals and resentencings, and the two were ordered to serve further prison sentences to bring them up to the mandatory minimum of five years. Um, and, and that's accounting for time already served, right? The government yeah. was not being unfair. They were just saying, Hey, like, this is the mandatory yeah, was, minimum. Yeah. It's basically
1: the first judge was being like way too lenient on yes. them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, wait, he was being too lenient. He wasn't supposed to give you that short of a fucking sentence. Mm-hmm. Here's what was really supposed to be handed to you. And here it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um Ammon Bundy, along with other separatists, um, appealed to the local county sheriff, demanding that he prevent the Hammonds from being rearrested. Um, the sheriff refused, saying that he lacked the authority to do it. Um, and that's in conflict with the Bundy's beliefs that the county sheriffs are the highest regional authority.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, oh, do yeah, they yeah. do they just refer to him as the county cuck now instead of the county sheriff? Ugh.
2: I mean, kind of. Yeah, they immediately started, like, threatening him instead of trying to, like, placate him. So when he didn't all, go
1: along with what they wanted, yeah, and also, so, if I remember correctly at the time. The Hammonds had no issue with serving their sons. They wanted nothing Correct. to do yeah. with the Bundys yep. showing up there to fucking fight for them. Like, no, we did this. This is we'll serve our time. We're supposed to serve. <laughs> Don't make this worse. Stop. helping. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please.
0: Stop helping me.
1: <laughs> we fucked up and we know we fucked up. Yep. So
2: um, and I got my date wrong. It was 2015 when this when this started <laughs> happening. Um so militia groups started to move into the area in November and December of 2015. Uh, Ammon Bundy and a guy named Ryan Payne, who is a militia leader from Montana, established what they call a committee of safety. Um, it's a term that comes from the shadow governments that were established uh, by the American revolutionaries during the Revolutionary War. And they served as a sort of parallel like authority structure to the crown governors during that time period.
1: Yeah, um, these people guys really have- jerk off to the Revolutionary War. Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
2: Um, people with a military background, uh, from the last 20 years might notice the similarity here to the shadow governments common to provinces, uh, of Afghanistan led by Taliban warlords, right? Like it's the same kind of thing that happens when there's a crisis of legitimacy in a given government that shadow governance, uh, governance will pop
0: up. Yeah. Because people still need some fucking structure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, so as militia members started to arrive in the town in like hundreds, yeah. um, members started showing up to local businesses, asking if the owners of those businesses supported them in what locals called clear intimidation. And yeah. some of the locals started carrying like guns to work and shit.
0: Yeah. This sounds like, Hey, you got a nice business here. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so on December 30th, the U.S. Forest Workers Service told the employees at the Malheur Refuge to go home and not return uh, until they were told otherwise, fearing violence against federal workers from the militia. By January 4th, um, and there was like some kind of bullshitting between the militia groups that happened from like January 1st through January 3rd. Um, but by January 4th, Bundy and a small contingent of his supporters occupied the Malheur Refuge. They announced that there were about 150 of them occupying the location in the surrounding area. Um, local journalists reported seeing about a dozen or so. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, well, I not- think, I, I think initially there, there was a good chunk initially, but once the feds started showing up or, or. No, all, all the reports that
2: I saw said that there
1: were hundreds of folks in the town. In the town, Bundy- yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and when Bundy was like, "We're going to go, you know, take this refuge." A lot. <laughs> that's of when they like, all were like, eh,
1: "Fuck that. that!" Yeah, yeah, th- yeah That's so, when it was. No, yeah. we're not.
0: That sounds mm-hmm. like we could get in a lot of trouble, Ammon. I don't yeah, want right. to get in a lot of trouble, Ammon. You're kind of not a very good guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I want to stand here in my gun and my my shitty battle armor. And look cool yeah, I would- <laughs> and say that I'm fighting tyranny
0: without actually yeah. doing anything. Yeah. I want to look yeah. cool. I don't want to go to prison. Okay. Yeah. I'm just cosplayers. wanted to set up a fake roadblock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Freedom LARPing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, like, this, this might be the way that I finally unite my true loves of hating Nazis and loving Dungeons and Dragons. I got to see about the legitimacy of, like, a deprogramming by way of D&D. D&D oh. programming. Oh, oh there trademark. you go. Right here. Today is the day it happened. <laughs> D&D programming. Got it.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm going to get
2: sued by Wizards of the Coast. Nice. Um,
0: <laughs> D&D programming. That's nice. I like that. Oh man. Um,
2: okay. So anyway, uh, Bundy claimed that there were a whole bunch of dudes at the place. There were not a whole bunch of dudes at the place. Um, a lot of the militia groups present, um, did not want to go along with things. There were representatives of the three percenters there, um, who are another radical separatist group, and they disavowed the occupation. Um, infighting occurred on like day three or so of the occupation when, um, Members of, of one, like, tiny-ass militia group showed up, and they were attempting to persuade women and children who were family members of the Bundy um, to leave. Uh, they refused, and it's pretty certain that the reason why they were there in the first place was so the Bundys could use them as human shields
1: mm-hmm. to prevent them from being, like, smoked out by the FBI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I is- actually remember watching a lot of this live when it was going on. Yeah. And same. they would hold like little mini like town halls. I can't remember what building mm-hmm. they were in, but they would hold these like, no, you got to do this. It's their plan. This is what we're doing. And they kept going over all that. Like they're trying to form their own little fucking mini town hall and government yeah. And, yeah. and entity. Shadow but people just, man. Yeah, yeah. People just weren't fucking going with it. They're, they were trying hard on the social mm-hmm. medias. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, they were. Oh,
0: God. Well, I was just going I was just going to say that like, that sounds like something we've heard from the Taliban or ISIS that they use other people as human shields. So mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. Right. Right. And
2: like, you know, they, they say about the Nazis, well, at least the trains moved on time. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like at least with the Taliban, like they, they would bring food and water to, to isolate the yeah. villages. Like they form a government. Right. Yeah. These guys couldn't even fucking do that. Right. They had people <laughs> following them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, Taliban, not good, not good people. Uh, aside from being really good at killing Americans and Russians, they're, they're not good at much else. Um, but, you know, at least it's an ethos. Um, <laughs> uh, going back to our buddy Matt Shea, um, there was an investigatory report that was made on Matt Shea after he was discovered to have done some really fucked up things that we'll talk about later on. Um, it was discovered later on that Matt Shea participated in four phone calls with Ammon Bundy in advance of the January 2016 occupation. Um, The day... (laughs) The the truth is out there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The day after the occupation began, Matt Shea using the name Vrembelator, which is Latin (laughs) for true warrior,
1: which
0: Matt Hopkins vibrator Uh
2: fucking showed. Like, I imagine that there's a photo out there somewhere of Matt Shea as a kid wearing a trench coat and a katana. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, Shea. A military veteran who at one point had his weapons taken away from him because his commander didn't trust his mental stability created oh, a detailed military style plan called Operation Cold Reality that laid out roles and responsibilities for militia members and an organization that Shea chaired called the Coalition of Western States, which has the fantastic acronym COWS.
1: Um, <laughs> I
2: shit you not. Um, the degree to which this plan was meaningful, uh, is very questionable given that only a small number of people actually
1: rallied to occupy Malher. Malher. uh, now Um Mjolnir. um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll also know those people that stayed to occupy it fucking wrecked that place. Oh yeah. We'll get to that. We mm. will get to that. Um, within a few
2: days of the occupation, Matt Shea himself traveled to Burns, Oregon, uh, which is the town just outside of Malher. Um, and identified himself as a state representative. He met with local and national law enforcement who were present. Um, he then gathered intelligence about the law enforcement strategies and operations from the meeting and later met with Ammon Bundy and the other occupiers and told them what that stuff was.
0: He's a collaborator. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was basically deliberately told by law enforcement and local government authorities not to show up. Um, he would later claim to a house ethics investigator. And again, this is the Washington house um, that he traveled to Oregon only on a quote, fact
1: finding Michigan no. survey says that's bullshit. Yeah, no, he was he was there to subvert the government and help these fuckers out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have no problem calling
2: him a seditious piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. I don't have any direct evidence, but this is what I think happened in terms of the occupation response strategy. There was almost nothing of value at the refuge, um, though there were a small amount of Native American artifacts and some records. But the Malheur refuge is a bird refuge. It exists for three basic reasons. One, to identify and categorize local uh, Native American artifacts. Um, two, it, it sits on a major migration route for some endangered birds. Yep. Um, and so it's a place where those birds can safely gather without being like hunted or having like their, their particular plants that they eat from and that kind of shit, um, despoiled. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the best birdwatching locations in America.
1: That's what um, I was going to say. It's loved by the fucking bird watchers.
2: Oh yeah. And then the other thing too, is that there's a species of invasive carp in the local waterways and there were efforts underway at that location to kill off those carp. It so wasn't it the was China carp, the- was it? I have no idea. I don't do fish. Um, so, but yeah, all I know is that there's an invasive type of carp and that they were like wiping that carp out and that the occupation set their efforts back for that by three years. Damn. Yeah. Um, um, so what I suspect, given that the Bundys enjoyed very little support in this occupation, that the FBI basically figured, fuck it, let them stay, let them wear themselves out, and then we'll roll them up as they leave. Um, which
1: which I agree with in this one. They're already contained to an area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Starve them out.
2: Yeah. Um They brought very little by way of supplies, um, which hilariously led yeah. to them requesting that people send them food, wet wipes and other supplies. And they- um at one point they requested, I shit you not, snacks. Uh-huh. Um, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. They <laughs> said they said to send snacks. In response, <laughs> Pranksters sent
2: things like a bag of dicks um yep. that were going uh a fifty five gallon drum of lube. Lube. <laughs> yep. Um so the FBI <laughs> let deliveries go to the location. They also allowed the occupiers to come and go freely. Um personally, I think that was to lull them into a false sense
0: of security. So they so they've got this place surrounded. It's mm-hmm. occupied by the Bundy's and some of their supporters. They're requesting snacks. People are shipping things to them. I can see allowing deliveries to be made, right? Like, yeah. we're we're going to do the humanitarian thing here. We don't want anybody to die or anything. So we'll allow, you know, deliveries of supplies to be delivered to you. But we're still going to confine you to this area. I don't understand why they were still letting people come and go freely, though.
2: So here's, here's where I'll get into that, right? Okay. Um, by January 26th, the core leadership of the occupation felt safe enough coming and going to leave to give a speech at a logger retreat.
1: Mm.
2: When they left, FBI followed, ve- followed the vehicles and pulled over one of the two. It contained Ammon Bundy and other leaders. So because they felt safe enough to come and go, by January 26th, in their confidence, they felt like they could just drive. Yeah. And they did. And the FBI basically decapitated the entire occupation in a single vehicle stop. Problem is there was a second vehicle driven by Lavoie Finicum. It fled. Um, there's about, God, I want to say it was like eight minutes of car chase before they stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they did a stop and then they drove for eight more minutes and stopped again. Um, but yeah, well, there's a, there's happening. a
1: second car. There's a second blockade up ahead and they basically, mm-hmm. Yeah, they like Sometimes rammed them over. into a, yeah. a location and had guys in the field ready to arrest them.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, there were cell phone recordings by Ryan Bundy, who is Ammon's younger brother, the one with the face. Um, yeah, you'll know what I mean if you know He got kicked. I
1: mean. He got kicked in the face by like a cow or something or a horse yeah. and was uh, disfigured. Yeah.
2: Um. So he was recording Lavoie taunting the agents and. And Lavoy was even yelling at the agents, shoot me.
0: Well, and this um, is so they so there's the second vehicle with Lavoy Finnicum Finnicum mm-hmm. in it, and they end up stopping and he like gets he out, gets of, the out vehicle. of the car. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um several times he like does like kind of like a like a flinch thing, like he's gonna start charging at them and then doesn't. Mm-hmm. And finally, um after challenging the agents to shoot him. He reaches for a pistol inside his jacket, and the agents obliged him. Mm. Um, They shot him to death uh, with only, like, one shot, Um, and he was the single casualty of the occupation. Uh, When they searched him, they found a six-shooter in his left breast pocket Mm -hmm. that he was going for. Mm. Um, Everything about this points to a
1: suicide-by-cop situation. Just um, the way he was talking inside that vehicle on that video where he's like, No, I'm doing this. I'm fucking mm-hmm. going out. Yeah. Like yep. Um, he and knew. the thing is, is like like Yeah, yeah. There was a point at which
2: his widow um and family sued uh the government for wrongful death. Um and they, they got their own oh gosh, what's the term um for when they get their own um uh medical examiner, right? Um to uh, examine the body.
1: They hired a medical examiner.
2: I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's basically that the term.
1: No, no, you're good. Yeah. Cause like there's the public
2: examiner, right? Yeah. Who does the public yeah. report, which was not released. Um, because at the time there was the ongoing investigation. Cause it's a police. F- yeah. yeah. Um, so they hired their own medical examiner and elected not to release his report. Yeah. Because it was fucking probably yeah. pretty damning yeah. to them. Well, they were, they were originally claiming that he had been he shot in the shot- back as opposed to the front. Uh, And if he had been shot in the back, they would have taken the opportunity to say so.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: you can see in the fucking video. Cause there's the video from inside the car. There's Mm -hmm. a video from the helicopter above. And you Mm -hmm. can see where I think that I can not remember if it was two or three FBI agents were in that tree line. Yep. And you can see him taunting the FBI agents directly in that tree line, see him go for the gun. And then they'd lay him out. Yep. And then they, Beanbag the shit out of that truck. Yeah. Yes. They there was did. no live rounds fired at, it, but yeah, it was, was a beat. Yep. They do CS uh, gas. Uh, not CS gas. It was the uh, 40 millimeter pepper spray ones. Yeah. Cause I know they took all the windows out and were trying mm-hmm. to basically, um, uh, not distract, but make the people in the car unable to fight yes. without actually having to yep. fire any live ammunition. Yep.
2: And like, here's the deal. I don't like that cops use those kind of tactics, but these are people who were leading an armed insurrection. Yes, So, you know,
1: very this was different a case from where life. I think they acted appropriately. Mm-hmm. These are people yeah. that are wanting yeah. to take violent actions against the government and have been fucking saying it for years. Yeah. And showed incredible restraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. White. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It would be nice if they could show that same kind of restraint when dealing with, a different blm protesters the the black lives matter protesters yeah that would be great
2: yep yep so following the roll-up of the leaders the remaining militia at the refuge um attempted to continue the occupation the fbi cut communications of the area making it impossible for them to communicate with anyone but fbi negotiators um interestingly enough a lawmaker who is also associated with the Coalition of Western States from Nevada and Reverend Franklin Graham showed up um, in early February in the sixth week of the occupation to convince the remaining occupiers to surrender. Um, on February 10th, the last four occupiers surrendered after 27 of the militia saw their day in court. Several of them were convicted of felony charges. Ryan Payne, one of those two leads of the occupation, mm-hmm. uh, got 37 months in prison. The Bundy's escaped conviction again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were charged with the federal crime of occupying a federal location with firearms and were found not guilty
1: somehow. I never understood that. Yeah, I, neither did I.
0: And I believe that I am... Related distantly to Mr. Ryan Payne. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I went to high school with the Ryan Payne, but he was a skateboarder. Had nothing to do with uh, this stuff. Mm. That's pretty radical.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of the things I want to point out is the like incredible amount of destruction that they did. Um, They destroyed government records (laughs) Um, they fucked with a lot of like the materials that were present in the building. Um, they fired a shit ton of rounds off the pier that was used for that carp project. I told you about, mm-hmm. um, they ended up founding like finding close to 2000 bullet casings in that area. Um, additionally, there were sites holding native American artifacts near the, uh, refuge and they dug trenches into those like artifact locations um, using a bulldozer and use those trenches as latrines. Yeah. Um, yeah. They literally be-
1: shit on American history.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, um, to date, more than 600
1: volunteers have shown up to help restore the refuge, which is awesome, but it shouldn't have had to happen in the fucking first place. No. Yeah.
2: Um, and, as predicted, um, this script has run very long. So this is going to be the end of this episode. Um, we're going to continue along with a, you know, kind of breakfast club close of what has happened to them since, uh, with next week's episode, um, which will be our last episode for the Christian nationalism, uh, content for now. Um, We're going to talk about what Matt Shea and Ammon Bundy have been up to since, um, and we're going to talk about what future episodes about Christian nationalism may look like um, after I've had the chance to not spend all of my evenings doing research for a few weeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? Come on, man. No, this has been excellent. I really appreciate all the work you've put into this, man. This has been fantastic.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's good to finally like, I've been reading this shit for fucking half a decade now, and it's nice to have a place to put it. So thank you for, uh, signing off on this idea. It's been a lot of fun to do.
0: Nice, nice to Uh, have a place to, to provide a brain dump for you. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Well, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, before we go though, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be two skeptical chaps. Alan Firth,
2: don't be a Richard. Hunter Grin, John McCullough, Ollie Olson, Sinead Duffy, Steve Kuno, Stephen Andrus, Tiffany
1: Hudson, Vanessa, All Hail, Paineth Buttra, Andrew Vodopich. Corey Ebert, Jeff Peterson,
2: Jeremy Goodson, Megan Mitchell, Utah Outcast, Wesley Aaron, Freethinker215. Matthew Sanders. And if you are who I think you are, send us an email. You'll know what that means. Or you won't, and you'll find this very strange.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to dox you, Matthew Sanders. <laughs> and you can send that email to us at godlessrevolution at gmail.com. Uh, Chad Pryor. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon. Savita Kuna.
2: Jean-Paul Chart. <laughs> Still need to change
1: that. <laughs> Tim Jacobson,
0: Trisha Weir,
1: a noble spirit and biggins the smallest man, a perfectly cromulent statement.
2: Oh, perfect! Hell yeah! Perfect. Twice in a row. Good job. He's beat it. You need to pick up a uh, pick another <laughs> one now. <laughs> uh, Ted Sellen,
0: Sarah Segovia, and James. Woo! Thank you all so so very much. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com/slash godless revolution, where you can pledge as little as one dollar per episode, and then you get all kinds of fun things. Early episodes, bonus episodes, extended episodes, extended outtakes, clips from the cutting room floor, and the knowledge that you are helping to keep this show going. We really, really appreciate you. If you are not into Patreon, you can also send us money to help keep the show going uh, by sending it to us via paypal at our email address of godless revolution at com. i've been loving this man this is fantastic Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you it's been a lot of fun yeah it's been nice to be able to hear you talk about this stuff and then have me ask questions that have been on my mind and have bothered me about this shit for a long fucking time like why the fuck didn't they just arrest these people much earlier why didn't they storm the place why didn't they yeah. Why, do, why didn't the government storm. do all kinds of shit that I thought they should have done? But it sounds like they handled this yeah. fairly well in trying to yeah. avoid another Waco situation.
2: Well, I, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was that I read this from. Right. But um, being being a writer or being a podcaster, uh, when you research subjects like this, right, it often feels like the, the subjects that you read about are living in your head rent free. And doing an episode like this is charging them rent, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's making them pay for that space they take up in my <laughs> it, it gives it purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah.
2: And in a way, it lets me put it down. Like I've been having like, it's easier for me to go to sleep now that I can say, ah, these things I've been researching for so long. I finally put them out there so that other
0: people can hear about it. And now it's not just stuck up there. So (laughs) and hopefully you can have conversations with other people about this now who will have learned more about this and be more informed and be able to have a conversation about it. Yeah, that's the
2: hope. That's the hope. So um, I'm looking forward to finishing this up with you guys next week. Uh, Look forward to it.
0: All right. Well, cool. Alright, well, I'm done. Uh Dano out. Y'all be nice and good to each other and cool babies and kittens and stuff. I can't remember what that crazy lady says on the cat thing, so I'll just pretend that I said something really witty. There we go.
1: Yeah. Don't forget to follow rule number one. Don't be a cunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Taylor
2: out. I got nothing for that.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't play leapfrog with a unicorn. Goodbye. <laughs> shouldn't affect me so sometimes hard sometimes you gotta make some love
1: <laughs> fucking give her some smooches too <laughs> sometimes you gotta squeeze and sometimes you gotta say please
2: <laughs> what's your favorite dish I'm not gonna cook it but I'll well, order it <laughs>